from Atlanta, Georgia on Rock Radio UK The Blues Channel You are now live from the Midnight Circus This is Lahamadou and I've got a great show for you today Today, our featured artist is Todd Sharpville He's got a brand new release out We'll be listening to tracks and that and of course we'll be talking with Todd at the top of the hour now, this is the voice of Indie Blues. This is the show that brings you nothing but currently touring artists who are out there creating new, original music rooted in the blues. We embrace the diversity of music that always has and still is being created from those roots. Now, if you get a chance, stop by our website at makingascene.org. We got some great articles, CD reviews, artist interviews, and so much more. And you can vote in the Independent Blues Awards. In the meantime, I have got some great new music I know you're going to love. And some great new artists I can't wait to introduce you to. And of course, I aim to misbehave. Except the guitar player I want everybody to be quiet Don't you moan, don't you whisper, don't you weep Except the guitar player Cause I'ma tell y'all about all, all my men Now being a divorcee ladies I said spice is the variety of life And I like a lot of variety with my spice Cause ladies If you got a man that ain't acting right Don't take no stuff off of him You hear me? Be like me honey I got one for each day of the week
wanna call Dr. Feel Good. Don't wanna call Dr. Good Thing. The one that helps me out in the midnight hour. You know how it is, girls, when you're laying in bed all by yourself. Your man comes tipping home at four o'clock in the morning. Said he's been out down to the local club, you know, which really closes at two. Come stepping home with lipstick stains on his collar. Smelling like gin and ain't got no money. Now, Ken, where were you until four o'clock in the morning? I ain't going for no long stories. Now, I don't believe that sh- stuff anyway. Say what? Uh-uh, honey. No, but where's the money? You ain't got no money. Well, my jaws are really tight, but girl, at four o'clock in the morning, when he starts to nibble at my ear, oh, he knows how to get to me now. When he starts to nibble at my toes, the big one, the big one, baby, the big one, have mercy. And he starts to run his tongue up and down my body. Higher, higher, higher. Stop, baby. You're at the good stuff. I gotta roll on over and let him slide on in. Cause my son demand of a
peacock notching his belt with not much regard for nobody else. He thinks it's so easy. Was he looking for the signs? He better be careful or he's gonna find mud in his face for a back trip. Mud in his face was I beaten with a whip. Mud in his face, I think I must have slipped up somehow again.
That's the way the weather's been Since she come around Now the sun don't shine Round here much any time An old cabin fever Will make you lose your mind Cause she's gone out again with her bad weather friend This thing has turned into pain This storm will put out the flame I like it when it's stormy Cause it reminds me of my life When lightning strikes without warning Like in heaven my world once or twice I hear the thunder When it's storming But I don't like being
some tricks ain't no one seen yet. <laughs> People try to trip me up, but I landed on my feet. Some try to trick me with lies and deceit, but my daddy said, fight back, son, don't ever be a martyr. People thought they stopped me cold. I'm just getting started. You know I've been knocked down and counted out by folks who didn't know what they was talking about. I jumped back up. Got some tricks ain't no one seen yet. Tricks ain't no one seen yet. I've been doing what I do long as I can make it happen. There's things I'm gonna do I can't even imagine. I take on challenges that stronger men discarded. Life can't slow me down. I'm just getting started.
The moment you realize, how could there possibly be this many blues? Drowning in the noise, surrounded by the darkness. We 
keep sinking low, low. We keep sinking low, low. We keep sinking low.
dreamers start believing What if believers stop
holding me down Wishing you much love and peace Wishing you love and peace Wishing you love and peace Wishing you love and artist or a fan that loves them, makingascene.org is the place for you. For the music fan, we bring you in-depth interviews and CD reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music. For the independent artist, we bring you articles on music business, recording techniques, gear reviews, and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the Indie Revolution.
And now, here is an indie blues double shot from our featured artist today, Todd Sharpville. And stay tuned for that interview. It comes up right after these songs.
get the dirty job done Tight skirt, strawberry hair Tell me what you got, me, Wait under there Big green eyes look like sun Let me see every cheap thing that you've ever done That you've ever done, boy Ties rotated by a red-headed woman Red-headed woman Takes a red-headed woman To get the dirty job done from his brand new release and we got todd on the line right now hey todd how are you i'm good thanks how's it going i'm going pretty well now this is the first time you've come on our show and we always like to get things rolling by giving our fans this opportunity to kind of really get to know an artist so give us the story of todd sharpville oh man that's a that's a lot to pack into <laughs> a sound vital too um, I started playing semi-professionally through my teens uh, back in the 80s. Uh, my first album came out in the early 90s. Um, I've been a, a familiar face on the on the, the blues circuit, but um, I've also dabbled in many, many other things and collaborated and worked with many other people. Um, I guess started out um, putting together backing bands uh, in the in Europe, ending backing bands for folks like Hubert Sumlin from uh, from Honey Wolf's band, um, Ike Turner, 
uh, Biver Smith, um, all kinds of visiting blues artists, um, and kind of fell into it from there. Okay. Well, you know, every artist um, seems to have that crossroad moment. You know, that, that moment where several uh, career paths are laid before you, and you chose music as as a career path. What was that moment for you where music seemed to be the way to go? Oh, uh, when I was 12 years old and I heard my first blues record. Um, I was a, a crazy little retro kid um, between the age of about 7 and, and 12, 13. Um, was really... Uh, hooked on 50s rock and roll and wanted to explore the blues um, on the back of early Elvis and understanding that his, his influences came straight from the blues. Um, and, yeah, my 12th birthday wanted a, a blues record and was allowed to pick anything out of the uh, the blues section in the, in the local record store. And I just stumbled on, a, on an album cover. I didn't know what I was looking for, but um, an album cover that... that, that looked appealing to me and kind of said blues to me and it was a freddie king album oh okay uh, and the third way through the you know third way through the the uh the middle of the third song um it was like an epiphany moment of i, I never understood that guitars could do quite what <laughs> what i was hearing them do in this freddie king album um and at that moment, straight away knew that that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to play guitar, and I wanted to to embody <laughs> this sound that Freddie King was putting out. Um, okay. And ran upstairs excitedly to my mum and dad, waving the album about, saying, this is what I want to do the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> that must have been scary for them. Yeah. <laughs> well, they, 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 they thought I was going to be a doctor up until then. You know. <laughs> Boy, there's a dramatic shift. Now, yeah. Um, yeah. let's talk about the new release. Um, what was your inspiration for putting this particular release out? Um, <laughs> I started writing a song which turned out to be the album uh, title. Um, and upon sort of sitting back and, and listening to what I've, I've written and, and, and studying it a little bit, um, realized that I was writing about you know, an experience 16, 17 years ago, um, back in time when I had a, a breakdown and ended up in a mental hospital for a couple of months. Um, and I found I was, I'd just written a song explaining the experience in the hospital. Um, and, you know, amusedly, um, then found myself over the, <clears throat> you know, a, a, a relatively small concerted period of time writing a few more songs that were explaining you know the run-up to that situation the situation itself and what's kind of taken me from there to here um but it's uh it's funny how these things can happen retrospectively okay well let's talk a little bit about you as a songwriter every songwriter uh, has their way of of tapping into that muse and getting those gears going what is your process when you sit down to begin to write? Um, to be honest, it completely varies. I mean, it's, uh, songs are like children. They, they're all born in, in miraculously different ways. Some are easy, quick, uh, write themselves. And others, you know, you have to put in a drawer and they, they <laughs> um, you know, they, they give birth at a much slower pace over a lot, much more concerted period of time. If, if you're giving them all, you know, the, the sense of space that, that, that they should all have. Um, 
I found over the years that it's, you know it's a bad idea rushing a song sometimes when it's when you know deep deep down that it's still not ready. Um, and each song will find its moment to speak to you and, and decide to express itself and decide to, to be born. Um, so they all completely vary. I mean, there's a duet on the album um, with my old friend Larry McRae, who called me when I was in London making plans to fly to Rhode Island to record the album um, at Duke Robillard Studio, uh, Lake West, uh, in West Greenwich, Rhode Island. And... Um, Larry uh, said, I've got a couple of days off on my schedule. I could fly over from Detroit to Rhode Island to hang with you um, so we can see each other because we hadn't seen each other in, in quite some time and have a proper catch-up. Um, and then, of course, the moment I put down the phone, I knew that I was going to... No, I mean, if Larry's going to come to the studio, I ought to, we ought to do something together. We've never recorded together. We've been friends for 30 years. Um, and immediately the chorus... Um, lyrically and musically kind of hit me within a few seconds of putting down the phone. Um, and uh, the the phrasing uh, of the, uh, the musical phrasing for the verses, that kind of took care of itself over the coming days. But the actual lyrics uh, for the verses, um, I couldn't think of anything that could best describe uh, or, or fit that space. I knew that the song had to be an ode to our friendship, um, um, suddenly I'm, I'm writing to, to, to my own brief, effectively. Um, the chorus is all about the, uh, the, the joie de vivre nature of our friendship. We're kind of like uh, Kermit the Frog and Fozzie Bear when we get together and always have been. So the chorus is a joyful celebration of our friendship. Um, but the verses, I didn't know what to do until Larry flew over and I thought I'd just leave it to the ether have a, uh, a catch up with Larry we'll, we'll go out have a few drinks we'll catch up we'll, we'll sit we'll jam we'll do all the things we normally do when we get together but I'll wake up like an hour earlier than I've got to wake Larry up to do the session um, and it will come to me I'm sure after I spent an evening imbibing his company um, and that's exactly what happened I kind of left it to trust it to the ether and woke up an hour early and within 10 or 15 minutes the verses had written themselves <laughs> And they were all about the ups and downs, I mean, the, the, the trials and tribulations that Larry and I have individually um, endured over the, the, the period of our friendship. Um, with the counterbalance of that being that the, the chorus counterbalance, that the joyfulness of the friendship is, is what helps <laughs> steer us through the uh, through some of the muddy waters. And um, and I, I went to the reception and printed them up and, and woke Larry up in his hotel room and a cup of coffee and the lyrics for the day. And, you know, the song finished itself the day we had to record it. Um, you know, other things have taken a, can can sometimes take up to a year or two years of sitting in a drawer. Um, something else, you know, can take uh, "Get Out of My Way," which is one of the, the tunes on the uh, on the album I wrote uh, before breakfast over a fifteen minute, twenty minute period. Okay. Uh, the day that we were the day that we recorded that. So, so they all vary. You know, like I say, like, like children and <laughs> children. Uh, they decide how they're going to be born. It's not now, up to us. You know, I, I, I look at lyrics and melody as two different functions. Um, uh -huh. You know, me lyrics are, are more of a craft where you have a very um, structured kind of thing to deal with because you have to have a story, the continuity to that story. Uh, you need to have, you know, rhyme and meter. But melody is different. Some songwriters like to work off the groove. Others like chord structure. 
And then others just take the cadence of the lyric and allow that to dictate where it should go. What is Mm -hmm. kind of your go-to when you look for your melodies? Uh, Emotion, raw emotion. Normally, that's the one thing that I'll write in the midst of whatever's going on that needs to be expressed. Um, And musically, the the musical bit's normally like a a guttural expression of whatever it is I'm, I'm, uh, I'm having to express or I'll explode. Um, and that's then what I, I like to sit on a little bit so I can look at it object- objectively when I when I come down to really figuring out lyrically how I want to represent the song. Um, but the musical side of it tends to just come from, as a, it's an expletive generally with me. <laughs> um, it's something that has to be said. Um, so it's, it's always on the back of genuine emotion. Okay. Now, you know, a lot of songwriters have embraced technology as tools in their writing whether it's their cell phone or they have a home recording studio, what are some of the tools that are in your toolbox that you find indispensable when you sit down to write? Um, I've always been really retro. I mean, I've always shied at even, you know, guitars and amps, I've always been really old-fashioned. Um, so, you know, writing for me was always scribbling on, on bits of paper um, and finding bits of paper to scrib- scribble on if, if something takes you in. And you and you you know you need to document it. Um, obviously, the advent of cell phones has meant that we've all got a dictaphone now. Um, I used to have a dictaphone before cell phones came in, and, and then I'd find that invariably I'd be leaving it places and forgetting all about it, yeah. <laughs> um, and not taking it out with me, or losing it, or you know breaking it, running out of batteries, um, uh, and then looking for a napkin to scribble on the back of. Um, so, cell phones invaluable because every single. Every single idea I have, um, if I feel it, 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 it's worth documenting. And there's so much that ends up in the, in the you know, that's edited out and goes to the trash can before it ever goes to the phone. Um, but it could be anything from, you know, a, a song that's pretty much just written itself in its entirety immediately, or it could be a riff, or it could be a chorus hook, or it could be a song concept or an idea that I'd like to explore or something lyrical. Um, and then I find myself having to try and decipher what it was I meant the night before at four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> um, and go through my gobbledygook and figure out what it was that I wanted to say. Um, but yeah, you know, even to the point of singing to myself in the bathroom in the middle of the night, uh, if necessary. <laughs> which, which no one wants to hear, I can assure you. <laughs> well, you know, um, every songwriter has to get to that point where they put the pen down and give the song to the band, the producer... And, and move it into the studio. I mean, you know, and I know a song is never really done. It's, you know, the, the old adage is you, you don't finish a song, you just abandon it. Um, but, you know, you got to get to that point where you can move it to from, you know, your writing from your pad. What do you do to determine when a song is ready to go to that next stage? Um, I tend to whilst writing a song um, come up with a relatively defined image in my in my mind of, of what I need to hear in order for the song to be represented properly so there, there, there's normally uh, certain defined factors that, that allow me to to find the rest <laughs> the rest of the, of the process a little bit um, um, a little bit easier um, because I already kind of know what it is as, as I'm looking for um, the real trick I've over the years of making the, the experience more pleasurable and uh, and, <laughs> and in, in many senses sucking any potential neurosis out of the situation. You're, 
panically trying to um, uh, represent something that only you can hear in your head. It's working with folks who really, really understand you, who understand your gobbledygook, who, um, who it doesn't take too long for them to hear what's going on in your head when you explain it to them. Okay. Um, and, and working with the, music, the kind of musicians who you know stylistically uh, from the musical personalities uh, are going to um, automatically respond to the songs with um, uh, in, a, in a certain way um, that corresponds with what you can hear in your head. It's that, really. It's, it's, uh, it's you know, working with the right folks um, and understanding who gets you and who doesn't and trying to make that judgment call as quickly as possible whenever you're working with new musicians. Okay. Now, um, let's talk a little bit about the lineup. Who's playing on this? Um, it's uh, Mark Teixeira on drums. Uh, it's, it's mainly uh, you know, Duke Robillard's band. Okay. Um, who are all very, very, very old friends. Um, very similar lineup to a previous album that Duke produced for me um, at the same studio a few years ago called Porchlight, um, which is pretty much the same rhythm section, um, keyboards, except for the bassist. It was uh, Jesse Williams on Porchlight, um, who's now working with uh, the North uh, Mississippi All Stars. Um, and uh, we, we had Brad Hallen on uh, on bass on this out on this record, um, who was Duke's uh, subsequent bass player. But uh, yeah, Mark Texera on drums, Brad Hallen on on bass, uh, the phenomenal Bruce Bears on piano and Hammond organ. Um, and then uh, an assembly of uh, of, uh, of, uh, of of horn players. Um, effectively, uh, including Doug James, who was on both records that he produced um, on Baritone Sax, um, who's uh, another colourful, colourful old character who I've known for, for many, many years. Um, but yeah, it's a uh, um, this time round. I'm duetting with Larry McRae. Um, there's a duet with uh, Sugar Ray Norcia, who I never worked with before, but. Um, I've always loved and adored uh, from his time, uh, you know, with uh, with Ronnie Earn and and, uh, and Rumful at one point, um, and it was a, a, a joyful, a joyful, very easy, uh, <laughs> painless, simple experience um, because the characters really on on the album were just right, and uh, and I wrote those songs, you know, with, with many of them in mind. Okay, now you know. Um we have been in this digital revolution now for a little over 20 years, and it has redefined the music industry several times. Um, one of the things that has come out of this is that the consumer now looks at streaming as a way to consume music. And, you know, let's face it, we're not going to change that consumer's perception because it's a great deal for them. You know, for the price of a, a single CD, they've got access to pretty much every recorded uh, music um, from the last hundred years. So for them, it's, it's, an, it's a win-win. But the problem is, is they don't look at recorded music anymore as a product to purchase. How has this shift in perception by the consumer affected you as an artist? Um, me and every other artist on the planet. Um, it's... Um it's a new paradigm, which I, to a certain degree, I think takes most uh, most musicians back to the minstrel days. It's um, recorded music has little value 
um, but celebrity has value, and therefore the 1% who is selling the most, um, they're making really uh, their cash nowadays, Instagram endorsements and stuff like this, um, on the back of you know, sponsorships, on the back of the celebrity. And, you know, their music is there to, to fuel their celebrity, which is what's really making them their money. Right. Um, so it's kind of, you know, it takes us all back to minstrel days, because the rest of the 99%, um, you know, are in very, very different shoes altogether. And it's it's scary in terms of what it does culturally, um, how uh, every other subgenre, aside from, you know, mainstream pop and mainstream hip-hop, um, what happens to them? What happens to the world of blues, jazz, reggae, um, classical music, chamber music, you know, I mean, every style of music under the sun that uh, sits there as a, sub, as a non-commercial sub-genre, you know. Um, and if that diminishes um, or isn't, you know, represented formally you know, for, for the years to come, but, uh, you know, what happens to it? Uh, and what happens to its importance and its relevance within society? Um, you know, I'm, uh, I'm a cultural protectionist to a certain, certain degree. I think, you know, we, we should always find ways of uh, perpetuating and, and reminding people of the cultural significance of, of things that, that don't sell millions and millions and millions. Yeah. Mm. Um, so it, it's scary. You know, it's scary. It's, um, but it's not up to, you know, it's not up to us any individually to, to be able to fix. Uh, everyone has to find a way around it and carry on being creative and carrying on um, doing their jobs as artists, which is, you know, trying to reflect society back to itself um, and do it as, as honestly as possible. Now, you had mentioned um, the fact that um, the the big artists, that 1%, really is is capitalizing on their celebrity and one of the things that really became apparent when the pandemic hit is that a lot of independent artists started to gravitate towards you know going online the internet doing live <coughs> streams working their social media and some artists started to realize that that sense of celebrity that almost reality show mentality translated really well into social media marketing where they started to expose their fans to who they were as people what their life was like started to share things almost like a reality show um mm -hmm. how have you negotiated this world of, of content creation and social media marketing you know in promoting your music um, <laughs> that's a complicated question. Um, look, I'm I'm very still I'm still recoiling um, at the premise that we're living in times when musicians, um, in order to be able to um, not even just to, to survive, but but new kids on, off the block to get from first to second base, have to do that on their own, and they've got to be self marketeers. They've got to understand the web. They've got to um, get involved in so many technical processes. Um, that all of these things that extend so far outside the realms of, of artistry, of writing songs, delivering the songs, recording them, singing them, and, uh, and passionately doing stuff live and connecting with audiences and doing the job of, of an artist. Um, and these things are all kind of contrary to that. You know, they suck up a lot of, of mental energy and headspace that traditionally would have been thrown over to the artistry side of the fence. So it scares me and worries me that there are all kinds of all-time greats that we've all been inspired by and influenced by over um, over the centuries, who um, who would never have happened under the remit of today's music industry, 
where you've got to be a jack of all trades. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, so some of the great lunatics of, <laughs> historically um, who provided us some of our best art, um, you know, would never have, you know, we'd have never have heard of um, if they had been expected to, to be great self-marketeers. So it's something that I, it's, it's, a, it's a subject that I'm, you know, I'm passionate about, but um, very much as, a, <laughs> you know, I'm holding up my cross to the vampire. Um, it's it's uh, something that you know takes away from the the, the uh, it sucks away from the integrity of, of, of the music business, um, and it's sad. But it's a sad once again. It's a sad uh, you know actuality. There's nothing we can do about it, so we have to do our best. Um, during the pandemic, when the crisis hit and people were, were doing uh, exactly what you were saying, um, I was struck by a. Um, a strange sense of, of compulsion that, uh, to make sure that there was one band under one roof um, and that everyone had uh, professional experience of working with big names individually. Um, so for recording purposes and for, for streaming purposes, um, you know, we could be made use of um, and facilitate as many needs as possible. Um, and on the, the streaming side of the fence, the responsibility to, I mean, we've all, anyone who's played in bands for, for a while and, and done this for a long time, um, will share the same, um, the, the same, same experience. Um, the numerous fans out there who don't have wives and kids or, or, or friend circles who are maybe possibly sometimes slightly on the spectrum, um, who the way of the live music, um, that they imbibe through the course of their lives, um, is the, the, the communion with the rest of humanity. It's what connects them to us and makes them feel connected. Um, and, uh, you know, the folks who, who will four, five, six, seven nights a week be out there looking, um, you know, sucking up uh, live music for those purposes. It's a necessity, certainly. It's a social necessity to many. Um, and all of a sudden that had folded, you know, the moment the crisis hit and, and everyone was, you know, back home single guy in front of a fireplace with a guitar um, or a piano um, and there was no ensemble music jamming spontaneity uh, any of that going on so so I decided to put together a, I put together a lockdown project um, straight away and um, pulled a band together um, and of course I need uh, I needed somewhere I could house the project where we'd have enough space for wives kids dogs families we had no idea how many months we were going to have to be living together a bunch of strangers effectively uh i mean the bassist is jules holland's bassist uh, dave swift who um had debt uh, in my band a couple of times but, but other than that we didn't really know each other terribly well um and uh realized i needed somewhere very big so found um uh, some mansions who were prepared to nominate uh negotiate a nominal rent with me I then had to find someone to capitalize the project and get some businesses on board and bring some recording jobs on board and uh, do the PR and figure out the technicals and, and do all of this on my own. Um, and I spent six months living in a mansion, in, in two mansions in a row in Norfolk with a bunch of musicians and, the, and their other halves. Um, and yeah, it was a, a big contrast to, to most other experiences of that first year of the pandemic. Okay. Well, you know, I really appreciate you coming on the show and talking with us. It's a real pleasure to have you on. And uh, we're going to give everyone out there an Indie Blues double shot from your new release. You guys out there, you're going to love this. You know what? Turn it up loud. Screw the neighbors. We're going to have some fun.
Every painful trace Oh yes it does I was drowning in deep sorrow Convinced that it would last Till I saw your face Oh baby Girl it's funny How a smile Can tell you all you need to know I guess it's time to cut the past And let it go And I don't need to know your name Glad you came. I found you. I don't feel an ounce of shame when I hold you. Because your eyes reveal a world beyond my pain. I don't need to know your name. Driest desert and swam the cold sea just to chase that dove. Oh, yes, I did. But now you're quenching all my thirst and you warm my freezing bones with your healing love.
your padded walls. Oh, the world around me is looking hazy. My head keeps pounding. Done gone crazy. A safe retreat will suit me fine. Mm. I'm ready for my medication time. The guy next door, he's more messed up than me. He's crying in room 101. I'm smiling in room 103. I'm tired of watching the clock drag that second hand. Won't someone break the glass and, and free all this sand? So trustingly. I'll drink your potion for therapy. I'll eat your pills baptize my sins on distant oceans. My, my precious hills My arms are bound My feet are chained Lobotomize This
gonna rock this shade Gonna scream my name Make you shout now, honey Gonna make you whether you're an independent artist or a fan that loves them, makingascene.org is the place for you. For the music fan, we bring you in-depth interviews and CD reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music. For the independent artist, we bring you articles on music business, recording techniques, gear reviews, and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the Indie Revolution. And the front man 
best friend Yeah, he holds my pay till the tour's in So I can send some cash back home to my little girl I got to now All the women that I love Took away my children Now I'm staring down a winter this again
saying lies So I'm writing my thesis And it's all about nothing No love, no prospects Just empty pages about me And I'm going to seminary Gonna get my divinity And lonesome Maybe I'll be holy When this is over
was recorded earlier so the producer and cast didn't have to walk home in the dark. So you get over, baby, please. 
I want you to come on But if you want Here's the blues scale. Now you sing it with me. Breathe. Now let's try it like this.
that's it. That's my show for tonight. I hope you enjoyed yourself. I hope you heard some artists that you didn't know about and enjoyed some artists that you did. And remember, all of these artists that I played on this show are out there right now, touring and creating new original music rooted in the blues. If you want to keep the blues alive, you have to support the artists who are out there creating that new music. Because it is a living art form that is being performed every single night somewhere in the world. So, if you get a chance, stop by our website at makingthescene.org. You can find out about some great new artists and the ones that we played on this show tonight. Add them to your playlist. And you can discover them on our website. So, till next time, this is Lahamadou. Tech, I'm out of here. Baby, just gone away. Dr. Face left home with my friend. I got lost my dog. I'm